The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace, you can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi, everybody. Hi, this is Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn Galsworth, and welcome to The Visual Workplace. The Visual Workplace, our weekly radio show where we explore and celebrate the principles, practices, concepts, tools, methods, strategies, people, and results of workplace visuality, of letting the workplace speak. In each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that. We either drill down into detail or we look broadly But what we're looking at is the operational language of your company embedded into the physical landscape of your company. We're looking at the details from something as gross and broad as the visual wear embedded, if you're a factory, in borders, addresses, and if possible, ID labels. But we're also looking at the fineness of attributes. How do we embed attributes And how do we embed the standard operating procedures that allow us to execute those attributes perfectly, repeatedly, whoever we are, newcomer or veteran? How do we do that? And you may say, well, wait a minute. What do you mean, how do I do it? First of all, why should I think that's possible? That may be you saying that. Me What I say back is it is not only possible, but in my view, it is a requirement. And one of the uh, principles that I've been talking about in reference to visuality on a broad scale is that in a visual workplace, you are buying, purchasing, acquiring, gaining margin to do other things by embedding visual devices, by embedding this information, by going visual. We need margin nowadays more than, almost more than we need air. Things have speeded up. They've gotten more complex. They haven't gone in, in the direction of simple or calm. They've, they've intensified. And we see that everywhere. We see it in the kinds of mistakes we make, the kind of mix-ups we make, but we also see it in the amount of tension we're absorbing because the pace is really getting away from us. We are not machines. We do things other than machines can do. And because of that, we need this thing called stillness. We need that in that stillness is rest. You know about the heartbeat. The heart beats, but as important as the beat is the rest between the beat. The music plays, but as important as the notes are, it's the rest between the notes that give the music the shape and give it 
our appreciation. Okay? So this rest point is very, very difficult to acquire in today's workplace, even in my own company. I have a hundred examples over the last two days of how speed kills. It kills our, it kills our hope. It kills our ability to perform. It kills the joy. Uh, in our accomplishments because we just keep going. You have to find margin. Where are you going to get that margin? And I'm saying the margin is purchased through your through the visual architecture that you put into place. But that is not, we're not going to be speaking about those broad issues today. What we're going to be speaking about instead is the final segment, which I promised you fully a month ago, the final segment of the, not the final, but for right now, the final segment of the supervisor component of visual leadership, becoming a leader of visual improvement. Uh, No, let me correct that. Becoming a visual leader of improvement. Remember, we're looking at the paradigm in its two parts. One part is for managers and supervisors, a very discrete set of tools. There are four of them. We're covering the last of the third today. It's a triangle, but in one corner of the triangle are two components. We begin at the apex, if you remember, with visual displays to buy that margin. And then traveling clockwise at the second angle of the triangle, we have metrics that drive and visual problem solving. We did metrics that drive. Now today, we're going to complete visual problem solving, what I call the center, (laughs) the dynamic center of visual problem solving. So we're going to be doing that. And then there's a, the, the third angle of the triangle is called the roadmap. But we can't get to the roadmap until the executive does something, prepares the way. And that's what we're going to begin when I begin the visual leadership on the executive side. So I want to give you the details of that dynamic center and illustrate to you that problem solving is a form of leadership. And in fact, it is also a form of safety and protection We're creating systems of causes, of good causes, instead of being a victim to a a non-system, a chaotic event called bad causes. A shorthand for that is struggle, struggle. And, of course, from that comes irritation and tiredness and a kind of uh, giving up on our lives, even our work lives. But let me make just a few announcements. We had a wonderful time in Oklahoma. I gave you trip notes last week. It was great, and and I want to say, because of what happened there, I'm going to do a special show uh, next week. I have a seminar in Portland, but I'm going to try to find time to pre-record it. If I don't make it next week, then I'll do a pre-record while I'm in England, which is happening the week following. I'll just uh, figure out how to get up in the middle of the night and do a pre-record because I've got some things on my mind and my heart that I want to share with you. And I've been talking to myself of whether or not they are important because they're kind of personal epiphanies, personal insights. And for me, revolutionary. I'm beginning to see how the personal journey is connected to the work journey. And I want to share those uh, with you. I don't normally... I haven't yet spent a whole show in talking about this, but the things are piling up to such a depth. (laughs) There's such a pile of stuff that I want to do that because I have to think that what I'm experiencing may be important or useful to people who are uh, listening to you. So 
if I can't do it on the next show, you're going to get an encore next week. But if I can, then you'll get that next week. And if I miss it next week, then I'll do it when I'm in England. I'm going to be traveling a lot. So the Portland seminar is very nice. We have a nice group coming for all three days and uh, very excited about it. We are going to be doing a training of trainers in August. This is the first time in two years. And our whole webinar system comes with it. It's at a reduced price. I want you to be interested in this. If you're thinking about getting trained in visuality, this is the operator level. This is the yellow book on its feet with all the materials for two trainers. And it is very, very affordable. If you want to, you can... You can pay us in payments so that your budget can be under the radar. It's fine with us, but we want you to get the information. The training of trainers is happening here in Portland in August, either second or third week. We're identifying that now. It's four days, and it's really good. Um, And then uh, in England, uh, there's the Hotel Chocolat, uh, and then there's Visual Leader, where we're doing visual thinking and then visual leadership uh, at the Royal Mail, which should be very, very interesting. We've got some strong players coming in, and there's a um, half a day, about five hours of hands-on stuff on day two, which should be very interesting for me as well. I want to tell you for me, most especially for me, to see what people do with the paradigm. Uh, China is happening. I'm going to see some factories. There's still a little bit of room on the dance card if you want us to come and see your factory and do a presentation uh, get in touch with the off my office, or you'll see the contact information for the folks in China on our website, the lower left, visualworkplace.com. You can get in touch with those folks there and uh, find out what's uh, where the windows are in my schedule. I'll just be there for two weeks. Um, okay, so those are the annou- announcements. I'm pretty sure I'm going to AME this year in November. I'm waiting for an invitation to do my seminar there. And other things are happening. We're going to be presenting on Smart Simple Design. We're going to invite Martin to do Pokey Oak. So, you know, there'll be some, uh, we're going to, uh, things are unfolding. Uh, and before I um, uh, go into the substance of today, I want to extend a very special thank you to a woman who is leaving our company, Heidi Houston, who has done just an extraordinary job in uh, keeping the happiness level very, very high in our company, and she's moving on to her next um, chapter. And I want to also welcome uh, Horatio Bennett, who joined us uh, to do a lot of technical things, and he'll be pinch hitting for what um, uh, Heidi has been doing. So welcome, Horatio. And also, because I've never welcomed her, but she has been the rock upon which the company is growing, uh, Cynthia, uh, Cindy Linden who is our um, executive administrator. And uh, so I just want you to know their names because these are important people to me, and, uh, and, uh, and I honor them with mentioning them uh, in my small voice. So uh, let us now look at our agenda for the day. We, of course, are getting up and coming up to a break at any moment now. But what I want to do last... Uh, The last time we spoke, which actually was the leadership episode 14, we're now on 15, we talked about the architecture of standard making and the importance of understanding, I believe, that when you solve chronic complex problems, 
they are also costly problems because they have many, many layers. They have a nested series of causes that are difficult to unnest. And while I congratulate A3 for helping us and for solving some problems, a certain level of problems, giving us some relief and giving people the beginnings of the thinking of problem solving, we need something a little more powerful to deal with those system-wide problems that are so tightly linked together, they look like reality. They look okay. They are the way things are done around here. They are the status quo embedded. All those bad causes are part of the habit of our thinking. And so I explained to you over the last two or three shows that visual problem solving is really visual standard making. What we're doing is we are examining the causes, we're identifying the good causes, we're supporting and strengthening those, and we are also identifying the bad causes, the ones that make everything go uh, weird. So a standard is a sequence of good causes They become your new SOPs, but it isn't just for machining. It's for doing those procedures that get outcomes all over the organization, everywhere in the organization. And in the process of creating new standards, but don't think of these as machining standards. These are performance standards, but they are on an organization-wide basis. I call them systems We are changing the landscape of work. We're solving our problems, but we're also putting down a new foundation. And so we search for these bad causes. We search for them. And we we know that we are going to come upon them layer by layer by layer. We'll get a first. It's like trying to get your health back. You might begin by getting your teeth examined. Or you might begin by drinking more water. Or you might begin by uh, adding uh, some vegetables to your daily diet to get your health back. Or 25 minutes of walking once a week. It's a beginning, but it isn't the entire process. And it's like that with problem solving or standard making, as I like to say. Okay? We're going to travel down the the causal chain because that is where our salvation is. Effects are caused. And we have to do it layer by layer. And that's why you need a sturdy, solution-oriented architecture to hold that process. These, um, these, what's the word that I'm looking for? The methodology needs to have enough leg to last for three months. It isn't a quick fix. It is many hundreds of quick fixes, but you have to hold the format. I call it the diagram. So after our break, which is coming up right now, I want to talk to you about, I talked to you last week about the diagram. I gave you the broad outline. I'll review that, not last week, the last time we did leadership. Leadership, that was leadership 15. That's right, we're on leadership 16 today. I was wrong. I talked about stack metrics. I talked about the formation. I want to give that to you in broad strokes. And then I want to go into the center and I want to show you how supervisors can lead And here's their chance to model through problem solving. I'm going to continue to call it problem solving because that is the popular term. And I don't want to kind of throw you off with my weird language and insist upon me saying or you saying standard making. 
But what we're doing is we're going after cause. So I'll see you in just a minute. We're taking a short break, and I'll be here when you get back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn. Welcome to the second segment of The Visual Workplace this week, where we are finishing up our look at visual problem solving, something that I call scoreboard or scoreboard diagram, and uh, something that I learned back in the 80s from my great sensei, Ryuji Fukuda, who gave me permission to make my own modifications. Uh, and although he didn't say it, but I say it as long as I honor his root and his uh, his brilliance. He did this with Sumitomo in the 1970s, and it is why Sumitomo, this technique in, within Sumitomo is attributed as the reason why they were able to expand to do transport, uh, transplants, t- transplant factories in the United States. The most sterling example is Packard Electric, which became Delphi. Fantastic production system, tight and Crystal transparent, crystal information sharing, crystal. Autoleave is on their level. And Autoleave, by the way, acquired Delphi, but they saw themselves in Delphi. Delphi has been doing this for going on 40 years. They began with Sumitomo in the 19, early 1980s and with Fukuda, by the way. So, uh, you know, it's tremendous, valid universe, uh, system of universal principles of uh, information sharing. 
not visual workplace as I'm presenting it, but nevertheless hidden in plain sight, hidden in plain sight, were all of these, uh, could you say, artifacts of information sharing. So the fact of the matter is getting into problems. Problems have a life of their own. They are like living, breathing beings. They want to survive, and they will survive. They're like alien. Sigourney Weaver's uh, uh, very, very ugly uh, uh, violent body, the alien. That Those aliens wanted to survive, and they were very clever about it. They were ruthless, nested and tangled and bedded. They existed deep in the fabric of the, of the starship. Well, our problems exist deep in the fabric of our enterprise. They are also hidden in plain sight, but they are actually hidden. I would say they're almost invisible. And what these problems do, just the way the alien did, is they not only have a life of their own, but they eat up the good life around them. Okay, so leadership means recognizing that and protecting the life of your enterprise by attacking and eliminating its enemies. And I am, uh, uh, you know, I am often soothed and uplifted by the Japanese uh, euphemisms for problems that they are golden opportunities. That is so. That will never change. That's good. But we're not going to invite them to tea. We're not going to invite our problems to tea. We are grateful that we are going to get an opportunity out of solving them. We're going to get resources and margins, but we attack our problems. And we need a sturdy conceptual framework for doing that. So the kind of work, so imagine a diagram, and please imagine it five feet long, three feet, three and a half feet wide. I want you to imagine it big so you get the message that this is a format on which something important is going to happen. This is a little bit of a football field, and it's on the wall. And on the left side, you have the past. And the past is called a problem and the behavior of the problem, which is your metric, your measure, your KPI. We have defects coming out of our ears. Here's the evidence. If there's no evidence, then you'll get a complaint from a customer about some part of the problem, or you'll get it from internally. You'll get a memo from somebody saying, hey, can you guys please take care of blah, 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 blah. You put the evidence up on the left side. This is the evidence that the problem exists. On the right side, And what I'm describing now is the homework of the supervisor. You do not burden your employees with this unless you're trying to train them on a completely different level to handle problem solving. You, supervisor, do this. You do this homework. You prepare the format so others can participate in it. It's getting the sandbox ready. So on the left side, you have the past. You have your metric. You have your problem statement. You have your team. You have the lead, when you're going to meet, how often you're going to meet, all of the kind of logistical stuff on the right. We're traveling left to right. On the far right, not in the middle, but on the far right, you have the future. You have your target. You have a precise day. You know how you're going to measure the target so you can track its behavior. And without exception, in my experience, and it's been 32 years now, The metric that you use to measure the future is different than the metric that you use to measure the past. Because the metric that you use to measure the past, in almost in every case I can think of, I can remember, is a metric that monitors. It simply says, you have a problem, you have a problem, you have a problem, you have a problem. Hey, look at your problem. You got a big problem. 
But it doesn't help you solve it. It just brings your attention to, wow, this is a wowzer. That's the past. In the future, I spent three shows on this. In the future, I want to encourage you to use a metric that illuminates. And that metric is either called a visual metric or stacked or segmented metric where you're accounting, but you are counting on a granular level so you see the difference in a stack of six. If six happened, you see the difference between in that six. You say, what is in that dot? It isn't just that six, there were six occurrences, but what are the differences between those six? They might be different kinds of defects. They might be different parts of the line. They might be different material. They might be grossly different models. And you get granularity in the metric itself, and you do that on the right. You put down a target statement, and then I encourage you, as I've told you in an earlier show, to have an incremental target so that you can have uh, early victories and continuous victories. So if you want a 50% reduction or 30% or even a 10%, you do 1% a week for 10%. You're, in 10 weeks... You know, you're going to be up at 15 and you're going to be celebrating. But you don't go from zero to 60 in uh, a nanosecond. So you make it incremental. So those are the two ends of the diagram. In the middle is where you begin to do, that's where you do your research. And you do that research with your, with your team with you. This is where there is people, there are people involved, there are people in, there's empowerment. There is the courtesy that invites people to open their minds and their hearts to the problem and give you their perspective. So you as a supervisor, as part of your leadership role, as you prepare that diagram in the middle, it'll look like a modified fishbone. But instead of having slanty spines, it'll have vertical spines because you're going to be able to populate those spines better vertically. If they're on a slant, they get all mixed up because each of those spines is going to represent some large bucket of understanding about the problem. Let's take, for example, changeover. If you're using this technique, it's a very powerful technique for changeover, especially um, uh, if maintenance is running it. Instead of saying man, material, machine, method, the five M's or the four M's, which are very vague, you say instead, what, what is the granular equivalent of man? And it might be absenteeism of method. It might be um, uh, ECNs. ECNs are killing us. It's an aspect, an attribute of method. It might be our machinery. It might be a single machine which you are going to drill down with your team and make that the prototype machine. You'll have a single machine, or it might be the, the ECNs, or it might be the stamping machines, whatever. The tool that I use to identify that, to determine what I call the headers, instead of using man material, and this is homework, you get this ready. There are reasons you would do it in a group, but I'm not talking about using the training of how to train and implement problem solving, this scoreboarding, as an opportunity to develop people. You certainly can use that, but right now I want you to get what the functionality is of the parts. 
So in order to help people focus, we name each spine or branch of the fishbone in advance of our first session. And we do this by putting headers in place. I usually use pink cards. And they identify the large categories or clusters of causes. And one of the easiest ways to determine your headers is by using a modified relations diagram. And the relations diagram is very, very simple to use. It's a simple, powerful improvement tool. You just put the problem in the center. Why do we have so many defects? Why does changeover take so long? And you go around and you name why. Why? Because of tooling and fixture, it's wacko. Design engineering is making us crazy. Absenteeism is defeating uh, our uh, cost structure. Material delivery, we got, have so many mistakes. Purchase parts are incorrect. The process itself, these are all why, why, why. Why, 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 why. You name those categories and you put it on a pink header. Large categories. And you put it on, you put each one on a little pink card and you slop it up there on each spine and you always have a spine that's called other or miscellaneous because you can't think of everything. So with that, determining the, um, the headers, you're ready to bring the group in. And in bringing the group in, what you want to do is cover the parts of the diagram so that people aren't overwhelmed and you simply walk them through from left, that's number one, and then all the way far right, that's number two, and then the center. Say, look, here's the problem. And then you say, here's where we're going and here's how you're going to help me right here in the center. The center is for people's thinking and you're going to capture that thinking. You're going to capture it on cards, if you will, or post-its. And those post-its will be written up by the people that you've invited to the meeting. If you have a large group, you can have them come in in waves. If you have a first and second shift, you can use the same diagram, or in many cases, you just have two separate diagrams, and you'll get different perspectives. You set, well, you know what? Kevin is on my case here. I got to go into a break. I'm getting into my kind of rolling, rolling teaching mode. <laughs> so uh, we're going to go for a break. And I want a short break this time, Kevin. I need to come right back. I got to squeeze a lot into our discussion today. See you in a minute. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. 
Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. Welcome to Segment 3. So, here's where we're at. You have your diagram prepared. You've thought about the center of the diagram, which you've set up as a uh, horizontal line with straight verticals like ribs. And at the top of each of these lines, above the, the spine in the middle, at the, at the top of each rib is a category or a header, and at the bottom, below the horizon. And you'll have seven or eight categories, and you'll have something called other. So you mount that diagram, which you can just make out of paper or you can get it pre-printed. You mount the diagram on foam board or cardboard to make it portable, usually seamed in the middle with some uh, shipping tape. So you can fold it up and take it elsewhere, or it might be a private uh, confidential uh, matter that you're trying to solve, so you want to be able to stash it. You set up a table very, very, very close to the board facing it within, I would say, two and a half or three feet you are going to be corralled in the center of that. And the tables are going to be in a little arc around so that people can see. You want it intimate and you want it close. You're going to put out pencils, nonstick tape, and anything else you would think of that would help people focus and get involved. You're going to put out some post-its. And you'll have two color of post-its. One of them will represent ideas and descriptions of the problems, causes. The second color will represent solutions. That will come later. So you begin with your, your, the color for causes or facts or observation. You put that out. Your purpose as the leader in your, in this case, are the scoreboard project leader, is to frame the group's discussion, to f- keep the f- group focused, 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 and to move the process forward. The first time you meet, you're going to have to be very aware of giving people a chance to learn the process. And so you are extraordinarily polite and supportive and welcoming. And as in this step, and if you were looking at the steps, this would be step seven. You're gathering the cards. People have post-its. They're going to write them in a particular way. Individual people, not as a team, will write up their thoughts, their observations, their opinions, and their questions, which are powerful doorways to cause. Their questions about what is causing the problem or 
standing in the way of the target. You ask them to write up these cards. What you're going to do when they ha- you have them written up is you are going to post them. Each card will be read aloud, and you're standing there, and your job is simply to post them, if you can, under the right header. If you can't, you can do that later. So when you ask people to write, you say, we want you to write what you see, your opinions, your observations about the reasons for the problem. We want you to notice everything and to maximize this information you're going to share with us from your perspective. We have some writing guidelines, and they're very simple, five guidelines. Say it in a sentence. Few of us understand people who speak in single words or incomplete sentences, and it's the same way when you write, so make sure to use enough words to clearly communicate your idea. That's number one. And if you would, use action verbs, not just names, not lost key, but or, or uh, um, lost key, but um, uh, Simon went on vacation for two weeks and had the key with him. Or maybe you would say no key. That gives us a description. One, this, number one, say in a sentence. Number two, one idea at a time. You can have lots of ideas, but don't put them all on the same card. Make them separate. It's okay. We've got enough post-its. So the reader can get the point of the point and consider each idea on its own merits. Give us all your ideas, one at a time. All the causes. Number three, the devil is in the details. Tell us what you see, think, and observe in specific. Give us detail so we can benefit from your eyesight, your experience, your insight. Number four, we're going to ask you to sign and date the card. Each card, put your initial, because we want to acknowledge your contribution, but also, if more information is needed, we'll know to come to you to ask. And if you don't mind, put the date on it because that will help us understand this happened within a particular time frame. So there are these guidelines. And the fifth one is write clearly. If we can't read it, we can't use it. So people need to get the hang of that. And you give them time to do a round of ideas. And then you can say, hey, turn to your buddy and see if they can understand what you've written. This is a learning session this time. We have some goals to accomplish, but one of them is for you to understand the process Because even though we're writing up cards now, you can also do them between the sessions. We have this little uh, folder here you can throw your ideas in. There's a lot of detail here. I want to hit the high points. So for a fat card, it isn't no tools, but a more more useful card would be the changeover tools for Minster 3 are locked in the parts cage and George is on vacation for the next two weeks. And this is signed by Gary and it's the date. Okay. So, there are other nuances here where you can go deeply, deeply, deeply into the causal chain by, for example, using the relations diagram to ask why, why, why and go deep, deep, deep. But remember, don't take any solutions. There are no solutions shared now. That's going to be a different color and it's going to have a different purpose. Now, here are the norms that I like for What happens with the cards? And this is you leading as though you have no authority. This is where you, supervisor and manager, are a leader. But it's a leader because you define your role at that moment as a leader who is empowering. This isn't the full description of your job. But at this moment, this is you allowing people to feel their own power. And here are three ways to do that. First of all, let the idea 
writing, the fact cards being written in silence. Leave three or four minutes, complete silence. And if people want to stare off into space, respect their process. They do not have to write. They're thinking. Honestly, one of the most precious commodities, as I said at the top of the show, at work is silence. And if you just give people three or four minutes of silence, suddenly their brain blossoms. Get into the habit of silence and of holding that silence and being comfortable. And by the way, while people are writing, you know what you're doing? You're holding the focus. You are not making your phone calls or sipping a cup of coffee. You are standing there vigilant at the alert. You're holding, some people say it as holding the energy of the form. But it is. It's like Aikido. It's like jiu-jitsu. You're holding the form. You don't wander. You can experiment and wander and you'll see the group begins to fall apart. You are the center. You are the leader. Second is you let the author read his or her idea out loud. You never post anything on the board unless it's been read out loud. And this includes duplicates. You always, this is respect for people. But this is also seeing what the frequency of the insight is. If there are five ideas that are nearly identical, you say, are they, is it really identical or do you have something? Let me hear what you have written. And you will pick up, and the group will pick up, important differences, even though it's all about Minster 3 and the tools are missing. You begin to get what I call a rich description of the problem. You begin to understand the complexity of cause. So you never post anything on the board unless it's been read out loud. Now, on that note, some people don't like to hear their voice. Some people don't read that well. Some people are shy and some people are not literate. So if you, you need to know if anybody in your group is not a comfortable literate person and then you set up a buddy system. And the buddy system is, you know what? I want you, each of you to find a buddy. Do that at the beginning. And if you don't feel like reading, your buddy will read for you. You have to protect people's dignity. And you do that. You set that up ahead of time because you're a leader. And you think of those things. And not only that, you're responsible. This is called protecting and respecting. Some people call it love. You have to do this. Right? Okay. So... When accepting a card, so people have written the cards and you say, okay, everybody, I'm going to give you another minute. Let me give you a one-minute warning. And people will write, 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 write. Or some of them will stare into space. When you accept, you take a card, who's got a card for me? And you can go round robin, just start from the left and go to the right, go around again until nobody has anything else. I like to do that to begin with rather than let people volunteer Later on, I'll say, okay, Marianne, give us everything you have, and she'll read through 15 cards if we can stand it, because you'll see that she's got a lot of, she needs a lot. But at any rate, you say, give me a card. Okay, I'm going to take that card, but you have to read it, or if you don't want to read it, your buddy can read it. And when they give you the smile, the card, all, what you do is you smile and you say thank you. You don't comment on it. You don't ask for clarification. Later on, you will. But at the beginning, you want to start this flow, this process. Okay? 
and you stick it on the board. I always, there are two other things before we go into our break. One of them is we always establish a pass norm early in the process so that if somebody doesn't want to play, all they have to say is pass. And you take your risk that everybody's going to say pass and then you're going to be in trouble and you'll have a good laugh and figure, and figure your way out of that bag. But give people the option. This is a way to make them strong, to give them the option to say, nah, I ain't got nothing. I don't want it. And, you know, just let me sit here. Leave me alone. And respect that. Okay, don't make people participate. But they have to respect being quiet and that sort of thing. And the second thing is I forget, and uh, it'll come back to me in a moment right after the break. So I'll see you in a minute. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn. This is the last segment of our show today. I'm going to motor mouth through some of the main points that I want to make. When we're using this kind of problem solving, this is leadership. And it's the kind of leadership, this kind of problem solving, standard making, going down the causal chain process that allows the supervisor to lead the manager to lead her troops his troops into the jungle into the entanglement of good cause bad cause through the elements of that struggle and then out the other end not with a modified work environment but with a transformed work environment this is a problem solving 
approach with legs that are long enough to get the supervisor, to give the supervisors and managers a chance to tackle the demons, the dragons, and not just hunt down a few lost puppies. I'm sorry. I hope that doesn't sound uh, disrespectful. But this is for changing the system that is under your control. If it's out of your control, there are things we can do. I might do one more show on this. I'm not sure. I don't want to tax your, your patience. But this is, this is mother's milk to me and so interesting. So in the center here, the center is where you are asking people to share their perspectives. And you are digging deep. This is, of course, an empowerment process because you're making people individually powerful to identify their ideas, to write them, capture them, define them, and to contribute them where they're handled respectfully on the diagram itself. And you are gathering a rich base of facts and causes opinions before shifting over to improvements. Real eye-openers. And always invite somebody who is not in your area with fresh eyes, if you like, or someone later on, like a customer or internal supplier, to give you other perspectives. If you as the project leader, the leader, get overwhelmed, designate an assistant to give you a hand. That assistant is simply your hands, standing in the background, silent, observant, helpful, and when you get a card and the person who has written it reads it, you as the leader just hands it to them, you don't even look at them. They're back there and they figure out where it goes on the headers. Great. I have a lot more to say about that, but I'm going to let that be our base of fact cards. I use yellow. Then take a break. I like to do this. Take a break. Give everybody a break, five or ten minutes, and you stay there and you digest the cards. You look at what's up there because you're going to now move, if you can, in the first session. It's really helpful to move directly into improvement making because as people are hearing the details, they're going to be bursting with ideas of improvement. Some of them will be low-hanging fruit, and you have to respect that, and that'll be your next round. But in between, during the break, you look at the cards, you spread them all out, you rearrange them, you're in charge of digesting those cards and putting them into categories, into into a configuration that allows you to penetrate cause. You may find that you change the headers, Well, you may find that some headers have absolutely no information on it, and you will take that as a sign of either it's not fertile ground or people aren't looking in that direction. You'll do this in between sessions as well. You will decide in between sessions, what do I want to focus on in the next session? You are not passive. You just don't call the meeting. You design the strategy based on what's coming and what you know. Oh, there's a lot of subtlety here. Anyway, people come back. You've done some rearranging. You're there with your assistant project leader who was, who's silent only when the group is there, who's helping you, and you begin your next round. And the next round, step eight, is to gather improvement cards. Ask people to write down their improvement ideas, propose solutions, suggestions, recommendations on ways to reduce or eliminate the causes identified in the previous, in the previous steps. And you try to match them up. Your assistant project leader, the person in the background, will find the placement. But you can say, let's start on this spine. I want you to just look at this spine. I don't want all your ideas. I want you to focus on Minster 3. And on the fact cards and the causes and the questions that were raised, focus on that and give me 
use these cards. They're blue. Write down your proposals, even wild and crazy ones. This is brainstorming, but it's written brainstorming. But there's more than this. We are mining your experience, and we're mining solutions that are waiting, that have been waiting maybe for years. And as before, you give the silence, let people write in silence. Some people will take a glass, and they'll put all their post-its around the glass like a spiral. It'll be filled. It's a very nice way of storing them. You need the silence, and you'll need more silence for improvement because people are getting the hang of it. They're getting used to the idea that their ideas are specific and respected. And it's the same guidelines. Say it in a sentence, one idea at a time. The devil is in the detail. Sign and date each idea and write clearly, same as before. Not get another key, but get duplicates of George's key and give it to the machine shop and to each changeover team leaders. For heaven's sakes. (laughs) You can use the relations diagram to go deeper into developing improvement ideas. But like before, the cards get posted after the author reads them aloud and you can say, does anyone else have something like that? I need you to read the card. And they have to read the card, not talk it, but read it. If it doesn't capture it, then you ask them, hey, let's write that one again. And maybe they're fed up with writing and you have an assistant there or somebody who likes to write and you say, hey, Marianne, work with George. Get that card right. He's got a great idea. Let's make sure it's captured. It's very strong, but it's respectful. And you keep the momentum going. That's just step number nine. Keep the momentum going and track your yardstick. Track your measure. Track your stacked metric. Because the low-hanging fruit will usually not impact the metric. But when you get the low-hanging fruit addressed, then you can, uh, you'll start seeing a real change in the metric. This is a three-month project. Don't try to do it in a, a week. It's not a Kaizen blitz. It's not a blitz. It's chronic, costly, complex problem-solving. So there's more to be said about handling the cards. And I'll look in my heart and I'll ask... Uh, some of my colleagues, whether or not we should go into it. I don't want to tire you with detail. Maybe you'll send me an email and say, yes, yes, tell me, what, how, to, tell me how to process the cards. Because if you don't process those improvement cards, they tend to just be a, a burden. I might do that, but I kind of promised this would be my last show on uh, problem solving. So let me think about that. I really enjoyed myself with you today. It's wonderful to share Uh, what I've learned with you, you are such a receptive and eager uh, listening group because I've heard from many of you and I I, I meet you when I travel around and you are using this information and you know what, it feels really great that I can make a contribution and help. So please keep your emails coming, radio at visualworkplace.com. If I'm available, I'm happy to talk to anybody who calls either on the show or off. You can see all that information on our website and also from uh, Voice America. And the next time, um, I just have a lot of stuff backed up on the runway that I want to share with you. And some of it is specifically relevant to our leadership series and some of it is just from my heart. I want you to know what's going on in my world. So uh, we will see you the next time. I'll try to do a live show uh, on that other subject And uh, we'll just keep going. And thank you very much for listening. I really love that you're out there. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I'm signing off. 
appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 